Well, this, um, this term I had the uh, joy of being involved in our kids' church, and this term we in fact uh, learned from Colossians, so that will be our second Bible reading this morning. So if you open up your Bibles, it's on page 1232, we'll be reading from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. Verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That's the word of the Lord. So that's what we'll be reflecting on for a few minutes. Now, I spent a lot of time writing this talk, but I spent even more cutting it short. So rest assured, we'll head to morning teens soon enough. But it is how many days before Christmas? 15 days before Christmas. Now I suspect that your life during this time might be a bit like my life. It's just hectic and frantic and busy. Now kids, I'm sure you're excited at this time as well, the stress of finding a car park at Chatson Shopping Centre. Oh man, you lose a few years in the car park, the yanks and anger. And then the pressure of finding a present that the family member will love. Now, this last Thursday, our Bible study group, we had our Christmas celebration, and each year we have this tradition of doing Kris Kringle. And this year in our group, our limit was $20, and we had the rule, no chocolates and no candles, because I think they're just boring presents. But anyway, someone in our group this year ended up with body lotion for stretch marks. Now, that... (laughs) That lady is not pregnant. In fact, no one's pregnant in my group. In fact, Yvonne's better not be pregnant too. (laughs) But that was a bit of fun. But often at Christmas, it's always very easy to get all caught up in the roast turkey, in the presents, the decorations and the shopping, and to, in fact, miss the mark of Christmas altogether. It's very easy to end up only celebrating the celebration and to sell ourselves short of what Christmas is really about. You see, Christmas is not a celebration of a celebration. That's wrong. In fact, Christmas is the celebration of Christ. And it's very important for us to know this as we approach Christmas, and very important for our children to know this, that Christmas is not a celebration of a celebration, but a celebration of Christ. Now, some of you here might be thinking, well, of course we know this, that's why it's called Christmas. It is about Christ. But I wonder whether we in fact know the Christ of Christmas. I suspect for many of us in our minds we have the image of this tiny, small, domesticated Jesus. He's that cute little baby, chubby cheeks, rolling fat, blue eyes in a manger and helpless. But nothing can be further from the truth. You see, he might have been cute and chubby, we don't know that, but the passage we just read, which the children have been learning this term, helps us see who Jesus really is. And he is big, he is great, 
and he's grand. He's the king over creation, and he's also the saviour of creation. And so if we have a look at this passage, it's not a helpless baby we see, but the king over all creation. In fact, it's what we sing about in our carols. You know the words, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Hark now, hear the angels sing. A king was born today. You see, even singing those words should strike us as unusual. Because no one's born king. No one's in fact born king. Royals are born as what? They're born as princes or princesses, not as monarch. And so Queen Elizabeth II, she was not born queen. She was born Princess Elizabeth Alexandra Mary. She only became queen 25 years later. But you see, Jesus was born king. Not a domesticated Jesus we're talking about. Jesus was king at birth because he was already king before he was born. And so however exalted your view of Jesus is, he's even more highly exalted than that. And that's what we saw in our passage. Have a look at the first bit of our passage. He is the image of the invisible God, which means he's the exact representation of God. Jesus makes the invisible God visible to us. Jesus is God the Son in the flesh. And we sing that in our carols as well. In that, in that carol, Hark Now Hear the Angels Sing, we read this, we sing this. Vowed in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. And so those who saw Jesus when he was on earth saw God. They saw Jesus who was loving and sacrificial and compassionate and gracious and powerful and holy and perfect. And that is what God is like. And so to see Jesus is to see God. So there's no more need to guess or imagine what God might be like. But even more than making God known, what else is Jesus called? In the second bit, he's called the firstborn over all creation. Now, this does not mean that Jesus was the first one born. What it means, in fact, in the ancient world, to be the firstborn meant to be the heir, to be supreme, to be first in rank, to be superior. Now, if we were still living in the ancient world, uh, though Esther's my firstborn daughter, it would be Caleb, my firstborn son, who would be heir. Now, of course, we, that's no longer the case. We love all our children the same, all three. That's what we tell them anyway. Caleb, perhaps he can still inherit my coffee machine. But today still works that way in the British royal family. You know, if and when Prince Charles becomes king, he'll be lord over his brothers. They're brothers, but he'll be lord over them. He'll be superior. He'll be first in rank. And so what we see in this passage is that Jesus is first in rank superior and supreme over all creation. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings, what our children have been learning all year. Not this cute little baby who's helpless and weak. But now our understanding of Jesus is about to get even bigger. It is because everything was made by him and for him. Everything was made by him and for him. Have a look. Verse 16, for by him... All things were created. That's everything. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. And so that what that means is 
that the billions of galaxies that goes on forever to the to the grain of sand to the, from the great mount everest to the great oceans to the gigantic whales to the even tiny mosquitoes all made by Jesus for Jesus i mean that is big not this weak helpless baby all were made by him and for him so how does that compare to our understanding of Jesus as this cute weak cuddly baby in a manger you see there's not one inch in all of creation that Jesus does not own and so that means that Jesus owns us as well we were made by Jesus for Jesus our children were made by Jesus for Jesus now of course not everyone believes that but if it's true then in a sense it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not it remains true it remains true even if it's inconvenient. Our 4th century theologian, Augustine, he said this, You made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they can find rest in you. We were all made for Jesus, all of us. All our longings for lasting joy and lasting peace and happiness and security and justice and truth and hope and eternal life. That's all found in Jesus. We were made for him. And until we find Christ and Christ becomes first in our life, my heart will remain restless till then. We were made for Christ. He's first and we're not. And that's what we need to remember this Christmas. He's first. Even our children are not first. Now, of course, that might sound strange and unusual. I mean, from day one, we're all taught to be number one, aren't we, from day one. Consider a newborn baby. Ask any parent what they want for their child. And they'll all say, well, all I want when this child is born, that this child arrives safe and healthy. That's all they want. But then when the child grows, then the athletics carnival comes along, the swimming carnival and the maths exam and the VCE score. It's no longer, oh, I just want them to be safe and healthy that's not good enough anymore they have to get first they have to be first at least beat the student next to them for me it was to beat everyone in maths sports well i'll leave that to my aussie friends but that, that was my life and, and many of us parents we, we who didn't get first we try to live our lives for our children but here in this passage if jesus is really king and he made us for him then we'll have the best life if he is first, not me. And our children will have the best life if he's first over their lives, not them. Jesus is king over creation. But more than being king over creation, we also see here that he's the saviour of creation. He's the one who not just made us, but reconciles us back to him. Have a look in verse 18 now. We read here, he is the head of the body, the church. Now that might sound a bit anticlimactic. We've just been told he's the one who made the universe, the galaxies. What's so good about being the head of the church? Isn't that strange? What's so good about being the head of this place? I mean, there are friendly faces here. Our morning teas are probably pretty good. But what's so good about being the head of that? Well, it is because the only group of people that will last into eternity in the new creation is not the local cricket club. 
It's not even the great multinationals that have been around for a long time, BHP, Apple, Telstra. We probably don't want Telstra in heaven anyway. It won't even be the great nations or empires. Australia, America, that won't matter in eternity. But it is only the people of God, the body of the church, the body of Christ that will last beyond the grave into eternity. And Jesus is the head of that. You see, Jesus was born as king to be saviour. Christmas is about Christ. And how did Jesus become saviour? Well, our last verse, we read this. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. That is, Jesus is God, fully God in the flesh, nothing less. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And so what we see here is that Jesus was born king at Christmas, but became saviour at Easter. Jesus came to bridge the gulf between God and man. Jesus came to bring peace between God and us. And what did it cost? It cost him his life. It cost him his life, his blood shed on the cross. Jesus came to die in our place that we might have peace with God. This is what we need to remember at Christmas, not just presents and food, but this. Now, this peace with God is something we need to appreciate. See, back in uh, World War I, the Western Front was where the fighting was fiercest between the British and the German soldiers. People were dying all over the place. But around Christmas of 1914, there was this huge surprise around Christmas. About 100,000 British and German troops were involved in an unofficial ceasefire. They put down their guns and grenades, and instead the Germans, they placed candles on their stretchers, and they sang Christmas carols. They were meant to kill each other. The British, the troops, they responded by singing carols of their own. And then soon after, they both came together on across no man's land where thousands were killed, and they exchanged gifts with each other, gifts of tobacco and souvenirs and food, and they even played football matches together. That Christmas, two enemies enjoyed peace. But of course we know that that peace did not last. Fighting did resume. They went on killing each other for another four years. But what we see at Christmas time was that Jesus came to bring everlasting peace between God and us. A peace which means that we're no longer enemies or rebels of God deserving of judgment, but we become his child. A peace which means resurrection life, eternal life, following Jesus who's the firstborn from among the dead. And so what we see here, two very important points we need to remember for Christmas. Jesus is king over creation and Jesus is saviour of creation. And so what will you celebrate this Christmas? Will you just sort of celebrate a celebration? Or will you celebrate Christ, the King and Saviour? But more than that, will you celebrate Christ, the King and Saviour out there? Or will you celebrate Christ, my King and my Saviour? 
Will you celebrate that? In fact, it's only when you celebrate that, when you see Christ as the king you follow and Christ the saviour you trust, that you get to enjoy peace with God. And Christmas then blows up in all sorts of meaning and joy and happiness, far more than just food and presents and shopping. But then you can in fact join in and sing the carols like you mean it, like you believe it in your hearts, and sing a carol like this we're about to sing. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth. That's not peace for everyone. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Who gets to enjoy peace with God? Well, those who have been reconciled to God through Jesus. And so this Christmas, let's not settle for anything less. Let's not just celebrate a celebration, but celebrate Christ this Christmas. Follow him as your king. Trust in him as your saviour. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christmas, that we might remember that Jesus is king over creation but also saviour of creation. So we pray that this Christmas they will be filled with meaning, far more than the presents and food and parties, but to see that Jesus is our King and that he is also our saviour. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.